I'm Margaret Mueller, President and CEO of the Executives Club of Chicago, Chicago region's top business forum. Join me on the Executives Exchange as we go deep with some of the most successful executives from the Chicago region and unlock the keys to their success. Trust me, you're going to want to hear this. My guest today is Jamal Cole, who's the founder of My Block, My Hood, My City, also known as M3. We are here to learn more about Jamal, M3, and how the Chicagoland business community can get involved. I was joking before that my name is Margaret Mary Mueller and I'm also called M3. So Jamal, when you get some M3 swag, let me know because I'm gonna buy up a bunch of it. So, I got you. <laughs> my Block, My Hood, My City was founded in 2014 with a focus on helping Chicago's underserved communities do three things. And we're gonna get into these, but I just wanna share with you all for a moment. So explore providing opportunities to step outside their comfort zone, explore new communities, cultures, and cuisines in an effort to gain a greater understanding of the world. Experience, finding opportunities for people to immerse themselves in new experiences, continually soaking up new knowledge and expanding their network, and evolve, which is grounded in a belief that each and every one of us needs to take responsibility for our communities and that it's only through our efforts of service, empathy, and collaboration that we will truly see our communities evolved. So let's get started. So Jamal, thank you, first of all, for joining us today. You are a very busy man. Hey, thanks for having me. You know, I'm here to serve and you know, I love Chicago. So anything I can do to, to build relationships and um, get some support for our youth and our communities, I'm for that. So thanks again for having me. We're so thrilled to have you because you are such an important change maker in the city of Chicago and you're now getting noticed on a national stage. So a lot of people know of you and have heard of what you're doing, but they don't really know you. So I thought we'd start by giving them a time to learn a little bit about your life and the journey that led you to founding M3. Sure. Um, again, thank you guys for having me. Um, I think I'll start here. I'll just say, um, you know, we, the class of 1988, are determined to be our best at whatever we say or do. Uh, we'll share a smile and we'll lend a hand to our neighbor because no matter what, will be the best in a lifetime. Um, those 50 words were the entirety of my preschool graduation speech. And um, you know, uh, my mom taught me how to memorize those 50 words and give the hand gestures. Probably gave me a couple of spankings until I got it right. But you know, that, um, that became the mission statement of my life, um, especially around the help of my neighbors and stuff like that. Uh, um, you know, growing up, um, it, was, it, was, it was a blessing. I wanna say that you know, uh, um, poverty was a blessing for me. It really was because it taught me um, even though I had a poverty of finance, um, I never had a poverty of imagination. I never had a deficit of hope. Um, you know, I lived in the back of a U-Haul truck for a long time, so long that U-Haul actually came and took the truck back. Um, that, was, that was funny. Um, but I think where my journey began really was, uh, um, you know, I applied to one college in high school, and that was uh, Howard University. And that was because, you know, a rapper, Sean Puffy Combs, went to Howard. And as a kid, you know, nobody, we didn't choose schools based upon, um, you know, uh, what skills we had to match those. We chose schools based upon where they on ESPN, did anybody famous go? So, of course, I went to a Howard University. That's where Sean Puppy comes went, who wouldn't want to go there. And, um, you know, I applied and it cost me $75. And I remember we didn't have that kind of money, but I still applied. I never heard anything back from Howard University all my senior year. Never heard anything. And so maybe two weeks before graduation, I go to my guidance counselor and I say, hey, you know, um, I, uh, you know, I applied to Howard University earlier this year. I never heard anything back. Um, you know, I, I want, she's like, what's your second choice? I was like, I don't know. I want to go to Duke or North Carolina or something. She's like, well, Jamal, you know, you go to an alternative high school. Um, you barely have grades to go to a junior college. You know, maybe you should go to the military 
or maybe you should get a trade. And, you know, I was 17 years old at the time. I had long braids, fake diamond earrings. I was like, man, she hating on me. She don't, she don't want me to be successful. She's just talking down on me. And so um, she left the office, and, you know, her phone rang. And when she left the office, I looked up on her shelf, and it was a, a black book with gold letters that said All American Colleges. And so while she was out of the office, I opened the book up. I ripped the page out and shoved it in my pocket. I didn't even look at what it said, right? And, um, you know, when she came back into the office, she was blah, 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 you know, all this stuff. She was probably telling me the truth. But again, I'm 17, and I think that I'm, I'm going to the NBA, right? Well, anyhow, um, I, I leave the office. I go downstairs, and I take a piece of paper out of my pocket, and it says Wayne State College, Nebraska. And I said, ah, it's in Nebraska. Like, what, what is this? You know, what is it, Buffaloes in Nebraska? What is, I don't even know what kind of weather. I was like, why couldn't this be Florida? Why couldn't this be California? This has got to be Nebraska. But this is, I didn't have Google. I didn't have the internet. I, no one, I never knew nobody that went to college, right? So this is all the hope that I had. So I dialed the number 402-375-7000, and a lady named Nancy answered the phone. And when she answered the phone, I said, hey, you guys got a basketball team? She said, yeah. I said, you guys got a business program? She said, yeah. Send me some information. Um, a few weeks later, you know, um, you know, God was shining down on me, y'all, because they accepted people from alternative high schools. Can you believe it? They accepted you from alternative high school and would even help you with tuition. So I, I got, you know, very fortunate there. But um, when they sent me an acceptance letter a few weeks later, you know, I'd never seen manicured lawns before. I never, I didn't have a Hotmail or Gmail. I didn't even know how to use the internet, right? Um, none of that. But I, I was so excited. I took the acceptance letter to my mom. I said, I said, uh, mom, check it out. I got accepted to Wayne State College in Nebraska. I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to buy everybody Cadillacs, you know? And, um, and I just remember her looking at me and saying, um, you got accepted to college. What are you trying to be, white? I was like, what do you mean? I, mean, I got accepted to college. And so I had to, I had to eat that one. And then I went to my friends and I was like, hey, guys, check it out. I got accepted to Wayne State College in Nebraska. I'm going to the NBA. I'm going to buy us all Cadillacs, you know? And then, then um, you know, uh, my friends said, you leaving Chicago? I, I ain't going nowhere. I got my job broke that summer because I was trying to go to college. And um, I couldn't speak for six weeks. I had to eat through a straw. And, um, and then I, um, I brought the letter to my dad. Pops, check it out. I got accepted to Wayne State College in Nebraska. I'm going to go to the league, buy us all Cadillacs. You know, and then, um, you know, my dad, uh, um, he stole a U-Haul truck. I don't know what's with these U-Haul trucks. My dad stole a U-Haul truck, and uh, he drove me to college. And if you – in Chicago, you know, when you're 17, you get a $500 credit card. and We maxed the credit card out just getting to, you know, to Nebraska. We had nothing in the back of the U-Haul truck but a shoebox. We had this 17-foot U-Haul truck. I wish he had stole something more gas efficient, like a Prius. But that wasn't even out then. But, um, but anyway, we, we, <laughs> we went to Nebraska, and – and 15 minutes before you arrived to Nebraska, my dad looked at me and said, hey, you know, I wanna, I'm, I'm proud of you. I want to let you know that you've already uh, surpassed everything that, um, you know, I could have asked you to do. Nobody in our family, you know, went to school. Um, but I do want to let you know that, you know, about six months ago, I got that letter from Howard University. And, um, um, and it hurt me to see you go to the mailbox every day looking for that letter. But, you know, uh, uh, they didn't accept you. And um, I didn't want to show you the letter because I knew – that if you saw it, you know, you're, um, you, would, you wouldn't try like your brothers, you know, you would just, you would have given up. And so I think that was one of the pivotal moments in my life that my dad never showed me that, you know, Howard University didn't accept me. It would have devastated me at the time. But, um, hey, it got me to campus in Nebraska. And um, the first day, you know, I, I didn't even know how cold it was going to be. But I got out there, and that's the, where the journey of life for me began. So I'm, yep, that's how I got to college. So many successful people have someone, or if they're lucky, more than one person 
who you know takes an interest in them, either mentors them, takes them under the wing, or does something to set them on a different trajectory than they would have been otherwise. And you've written about your basketball coach at Wayne State. So if you tell us a little bit about him and why that was so pivotal for you. Yeah, his name was Rico Burkett. And you know, um, as soon as I got to out that U-Haul truck, the next day I went to the basketball coach's office just so he could see me. And I just opened his door up, said, hey, my name is Jamal Cole. I'm from Chicago. I'm going to the league. I'm going to the NBA. And um, everybody was like seven foot tall from Germany and England. And they looked down at me, this six, three kid. So like, who, we don't even know who you are. You know, we don't just accept people walking in the office. You got to get recruited here and a scholarship. And I was like, I don't care. I'm going to the league. And so every day for like two and a half months, I would stop in his office just so he could see me. And we could just talk about basketball. And I'd say, I'm going to the league one day. And he saw something in me. And so he said, uh, he gave me a tryout. And I, he allowed me to walk onto the basketball team. Like the first person that had done it in this, in this team, I walked on. And um, after six months of playing basketball on the team, you know, he told me, he said, Jamal, you got good grades. People like you. Uh, you know, why do you have a 1.7 GPA? And I said, uh, um, and since he let me walk on the basketball team, I told him the truth. I said, hey, you know, um, I can't afford any books. You know, I've never even read a book in my whole life. And plus, um, you know, I, um, I went to alternative high school in North Chicago. You know, I'm, I'm I'm not used to having teachers, let alone professors. Um, and plus, uh, um, you know, people in Nebraska are treating me racist, right? My first day on campus, somebody came up to me and said, hey, uh, can you talk to my little brother on a cell phone? Um, he's never talked to a black person before. He watches ESPN all the time. Will you talk to him? And I was like, Jesus, you know, people on my own team are treating me racist. Um, I said, coach, listen, man, it's cold out here. I don't have no money. I hate the food. It smells like manure. People treat me racist. I'm having a hard time adjusting, you know, and, and my coach Rico Burkett, he was really patient with me. And, um, you know, I needed him to be patient with me at this time. And he, uh, he just listened to me go over my list. And he, and finally he asked me, he said, Jamal, he said, do you know, uh, um, sorry, some noise in the background. He said, Jamal, do you know what's missing from your list? And I said, no, what's missing from my list? He said, uh, um, he said, your name's not on it. He said, no excuses. The highest level of maturity is taking full responsibility for your actions. I said, coach, did you just hear me? I just told you, I've never had teachers. I just told you I don't have no books. I just told you people are treating me racist. I just told you it was cold out here. I don't got no money. I hate the food. It smells like manure. People treat me right. I'm having a hard time adjusting. After your long practices, I don't got no time to be trying to get better grades. I got to get back to my dorm room and play and watch a little sports center, play a little dice with my teammates. And Rico just looked at me and said, Jamal, no excuses. The highest level of maturity is taking full responsibility for your actions. And so, you know, we weren't going to see eye to eye. I realized that. So, I just, um, I left the office, I came back in two weeks and he gave me a book scholarship for $500. Now listen, this was the second time in my life that I've ever had $500, so I was ecstatic. So I bought, um, I bought four of the five books that I needed um, and I, I did some tutoring and one semester I went from a 1.7 to a 3.5 GPA, right? And um, I was ecstatic, I had four A's and one C. So I went back to the coach's office and said, coach, you gotta play me now. You gotta give me some playing time. You know, I got four A's and a C. I went from a 1.7 to a 3.5. What you going to tell me now? I got four A's and a C. So I slammed my report card on his desk and told him I'm going to the NBA. He better play me. So, uh, you know, Rico looked at me. He looked at my report card. He looked back at me. He looked at my report card. And he said, um, he said, why the hell did you get a C? I said, why did I get a C? I just told you it's cold out here. I don't got no money. I hate the food. It smells like manure. I don't know. I'm having a hard time adjusting, man. And he was like, listen, Jamal, no excuses. The highest level of maturity is taking full responsibility for action. Now, listen, I played five minutes of basketball in four years. I never played. I never played, man, but I graduated in three and a half years because I had such good grades. 
And um, and I remember this like yesterday uh, when I, I wrote a book about this journey, my first book, and I was selling them in front of Foot Locker downtown Chicago. And someone from Cook County Jail read the book and said, hey, can you come talk to the people in the jail about, about your story? It's pretty inspirational. And so I got to the jail and um, nobody wanted to hear me speak. And so I was like, you guys don't want to hear me speak? Okay. I just said, hey, Mark Quill, why, why are you in jail for the next 20 years? What, what, what didn't work out for you in life? And you know what he said? It's cold out here. I don't got no money. I hate the food. It smells. I, mean, I was like, wow. I was like, that is my list. I said, that's my list. That's the same list I gave Rico Burkett, my coach. I was like, wow. And that's when it dawned on me that in four years of college, Rico, my coach, wasn't teaching me to change my jump shot. Right? He was teaching me to change my philosophy. So back in 2001, through 2005, I blamed everybody else for my issues. The city's messed up. The, the teacher was messed up. The school was messed up. My philosophy was messed up, right? And so that God spoke to me that I knew exactly what I was supposed to do with my life as far as um, exposure is key. Here I traveled the whole world with the basketball team. I've been to England. I've been to Hawaii. I've been to all these states. And I didn't even appreciate it because I didn't have a frame of reference. Um, and then he taught me how to – my coach taught me how to separate immediate gratification from long-term rewards. So when I was at the jail, I knew immediately what I had to do because – I saw myself in those guys. Like, I remember when I used to think like you. And so I think Rico Burkett is um, the first role model that, um, that really pushed me and challenged me and, and didn't give up on me. Amazing. So I know you're a self-published author, so that was one of the jobs that you had. But in terms of a, a corporate job, tell us about your first job. Yeah, my first corporate job um, was I worked at a trading firm in Chicago, believe it or not. So again, I was just, self-published author selling books downtown in front of Foot Locker. And, um, you know, one of the a trading firm, I got wind of a trading firm uh, that needed help moving offices during the wintertime. And it was getting cold out there. So my friend said, Jamal, can you come move some boxes? I said, sure. And um, I went to the trading firm and, uh, you know, I was helping move boxes, helping move computer screens. And then um, one, of the, one of the guys in the, in the IT department came and said, hey, how come you're always early and your friends are always late? And I said, well, I played college basketball. My coach told me to show up on time. You know, if you're on time, you're late. Pretty much be early. He's, he's like, hey, you know, um, the next day, a CEO of the firm came up to me and said, hey, if we put you in school for networking, could you pass? Um, I was like, you mean like Facebook networking? You mean like, what are we talking like networking with people? He's like, no, no, I mean Cisco engineering, like networking. And I was like, man, I was like, I, was like, I don't know. I, was like, I got really good grades in college, so I could try. And um, they put me in college and micro train downtown Chicago cost a lot of money. In two months, they put me in school and I was expected to pass the engineering exam and I didn't pass it the first time. I was very embarrassed because it cost a lot of money and I failed, but I came back to him and said, hey, man, I tried. He was like, well, what, what could you do differently? And I told him what I could do differently, wrote me another check, put me in school for another two and a half, three months. And, um, and I failed again because it was so hard. <laughs> I'm so embarrassed to say I failed again, but I only failed by six points this time. And so I came back and said, man, you know, I have I, I to get some flashcards this time. I'm really close wrote me on the check and then I passed and um, they hired me at the firm for like four years. I worked underneath a guy from Taiwan and China and, um, and um, a guy from Japan and they taught me how to build race cars for, um, you know, proprietary trading systems. And so I, um, I stayed there for like three and a half, four years and it was WH trading. It's like located right next to the Sears Towers. That was my first real job. So what did you learn at that first job that you still take with you today when you're leading your own organization now? how to ask questions. I mean, man, I was outside of my comfort zone, you know, but I was around guys from Harvard, Princeton, the best colleges in the whole world, you know, and I, um, and I also, uh, um, I learned to 
just be true to who you are. I mean, when I was volunteering at the jail, when guys would get out of the jail, I'd bring them to the trading firm to show them how easy it was to build operating systems. I mean, you don't have to have a, a master's degree to know where a hard drive is or know where the memory is. You just open up the computer. Let me show you, you know? And so uh, um, I just remain true to myself. Um, I also, I learned that uh, um, just to stay humble. Um, I learned that, oh, the CEO of the trading firm drove like a, 1970 Volkswagen, which is ridiculous. I was like, what are you doing? So it's like nobody really spent a lot of money on like crazy stuff. They believe in experiences. So they'd all give me the keys to their homes and I'd be like, you drive a piece of crap car, what is this? But they were just, it didn't, they, didn't, they didn't matter. I was like, man, I want to get me a pinky ring. They were like, why? I was like, I need, I need to feel good. They're like a pinky ring, it don't make no sense. But, but anyway, um, they, it really taught me uh, how, to, how to conserve money and how to um, invest and also how to be a troubleshooter and, and, and do my own research on everything in life. That, that really was helpful for me. So you're there for four years. How did you start my block, my hood, my city? What was the inspiration? What happened? How did it all come together? Yeah, I mean, just, just volunteering at the trading firm. Um, you know, I, I won a national competition for um, my entrepreneurship and I went out to LA and I built a website. And when I came back, you know, I pretty much um, knew I wanted to expose kids to things. And because uh, I was exposing them to the trading firm, like kids from North Lawndale, I bring to the trading firm. Then we go to Giordano's Pizza next door by the Sears Tower. Then I, you know, basically I just cracked the code on LinkedIn. You know, I, I figured, hey, I want to, there's all these kids in Chicago that need exposure and I need to connect them with businesses. So I went to LinkedIn and if your name was Jamal Cole and you worked at Nike, I figured your email address can only be jcole at nike.com, colej at nike.com jamal.cole and nike.com and i just cracked the code with that i did that with so many businesses and i was like hey i got this group of 15 kids that deserve exposure to your business can i bring them to to google can i bring them to pandora can i bring them to your hospital uh, we want to see what you guys do and sure enough they were like yes we we love this you know and then hey will you guys get some pizza too and then i was on from there so once i got like a portfolio of like you know, a couple hundred businesses. Then I just start contacting schools and saying, Hey, you know, I have this, um, after school program that I'm starting, uh, here's a free hoodie. Here's a free t-shirt, but this is what I want to do. And I, I just, um, if you do what you love, you organically build relationships that help you be successful. So that's pretty much how I started it from, um, from the trading firm. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Sure. Audio equipment for the executives exchange podcast is provided by Shore incorporated. When your team is depending on you for information and motivation, you can't afford to sound anything less than clear and confident. For nearly 100 years, performers and world leaders have depended on Shure microphones. Whether you're in front of a camera or behind a podium, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. Welcome back. So the mission or the three pillars of your organization are explore, experience, evolve. Mm -hmm. And we talked a little bit about it at the beginning, so I just wanted to give people the framework. But tell us why those three things are so important. Based on everything that you've experienced and you've lived, these are the three things that you think are really going to make a difference for these kids. Well, if you grow up in North Lawndale in Chicago, I mean, there's 15 currency exchanges and no banks. So if you ask a kid, hey, what's a job at a bank? They don't know. They've never been to one. If you... um. Everybody wants to be a rapper and a basketball player, right? But if you take those same kids to Gatorade and they learn about consumer engagement, 
They'll be like, hey, Jamal, I want to be a consumer engagement specialist. They'll say, well, why? They never knew that job existed prior to, you know what I mean? So if you show somebody they're better, they can do better. If they don't know better, they can't do better. You can't be it if you can't see it. I mean, that's what people say, right? Um, so I just, that's why exposure, you know, exploring, like, you could, uh, um, so, sorry, I went out. You could travel the world without leaving Chicago. You know, you could travel. The, you can. I'm like, I love exploring. I love traveling. Um, you know, my best friends from England. I love traveling. Is transformative. So, explore has to be. Um, like isolation leads to narrow-mindedness. You know what I mean? So, the way to not be narrow-minded is to explore. Step outside your comfort zone. Listen, you'd be surprised how many teenagers in Chicago have never even been downtown. They they've never waited for a taxi, right? They've never been on an elevator, right? They've never. They see Lake Michigan and say, what ocean is that? You know what I mean? Like, that's true. Like, until you see it, you're like, wow, I've never been, you've never been in a glass building, but you want to work in marketing. You know what I mean? So um, we have to explore. Um, and then experiencing things is better than me telling you about them. So um, kids are smart enough to see when you take them to the West Loop or take them downtown, they can look outside and see like, wow, like this, this environment is different than mine. And then I'll ask them, well, how do you think that, um, how can you advocate for this Jamba Juice in your community? Well, how can you advocate for this business in your community? Let's talk, let's talk about assets in your neighborhood. So um, let's talk about um, when we go to these businesses, I don't want to just, um, I don't want to just be talked to. I want to have a case study. Hey, Pandora, can we create an advertisement about Kit Kat or, or, or you know, or Snicker? Can let, let the kids do it. If you work for a real estate um, investment company, can we do a, um, can we do some kind of a um, purchase or merger? Can we do some kind of spreadsheet? What, what can you allow us to do when we're there? You know what I mean? We need to do a case study. Um, if you work in, in a, at the fire department, let us ride. If you work at United, let's go to O'Hare and see what the planes, can we sit in the, the cockpit with the, the pilots? You'd be surprised what people do. So that's why experience and then evolve. Of course, you evolve by, um, you know, you, 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 you develop the muscle it takes to, to, to make a difference if you keep on um, surrounding yourself with good people. You know what I mean? It's easy. Like you just need to, you need to stand guard at the door of your thoughts. You need to surround yourself with people that won't let you make excuses. And so that's why I feel like Explore, Experience, Evolve are our pillars. Again, so we work with 150 students from 10 different schools. So we bring about 12 students at a time after school. When they get out of school, we bring them to your corporation. We spend about two, three hours with you. Uh, the first part of the call is just, a, um, you know, uh, it's a, the first part of the, the trip is get the introduction and then we like to get our hands dirty with you and just be you for a day, like a day in the life or whatever your, whatever your job is. I love case studies. I love having the kids do stuff with their hands. Um, it's awesome that they can take something back with them. And then we eat together and you just, a lot of people didn't get to the corporation by just, hey, I went to college here and, and, um, and, and this, they hired, no, it's like sometimes people knew people. So I think um, the, if anybody on the call would like to host our students, it's about a three-hour process after school. We bring about 12 to 14 students at a time. We bring our program coordinator and our program manager. And then we just spend a couple hours with you and live in a day in a life with you guys. And, um, you know, we do this um, once a month. So we, we, need more, we, we need more businesses to host our kids. It's right on our website, formyblog.org, and you can just host our kids. I'm telling you, it's a good experience for the employees, too. It's like a push and pull. I'm telling you, especially, like, a lot of people want to be socially engaged nowadays. There's no better way than, like, working with kids that never, you know, uh, uh, come on, a kid never been on an elevator before. A kid's never touched a computer before. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's, a, it's no better way to give back and show kids what's possible. A lot of people are thinking about this as one way, right? We're helping these young people of color, helping them to grow and see what else is out there. But it's working the other way as well. You know, it's a lot of white people 
who don't know what the other side is like. And so the exposure, the ex exploring, experiencing, and evolving is going both ways. Both sides are sure. For sure, you know, like, look, empathy is when you feel something about, oh, I feel this way. Like, compassion is when you do something, right? So, I mean, this is an opportunity to get involved. A lot of people want to get involved and don't know how. This is a, a bridge to actually getting involved. And, you know, the kids are our future. So you, you invest in the youth, you know, you, uh, you, um, you can change, you can make Chicago more interconnected, right? So how do these experiences actually change these kids? Can you give us some examples of, you know, a kid who, comes into your program, how do they look different on the other side? You know what, they just know it's possible. Um, a lot of, again, I, I try to go to college. My mom told me I was trying to be white. You know, um, I, I work with kids that if you walk inside their living room, they'll apologize if they don't have any furniture, right? I, I, walk with, uh, I work with kids that if you drop them off at their house they'll, and they see some yellow tape, like the crime scene tape, they'll say, oh, that's just yellow tape. It's not serious unless it's red tape, you know? I work with kids that are um, um, that have been traumatized because they've grown up in these divested Chicago communities. We've really failed a lot of kids as far as they walk into the school. There's paddy wagons parked outside the front of the school. They got to take their belts off and shoes off just to get in the school, right? There's mm -hmm. uh, there's more technology on the light poles in the classrooms, right? There's a uh, there's there's a school has capacity for 1,500 kids and only. 130 kids go to the school and only 56% of those kids attend school every day. You're talking about ghost towns inside of schools right there's no mental health there's no counselors um and now they don't have any after school programs right now either so i feel like um when you uh, um when you give a kid hope there's i mean without hope it's really hard to survive and when your role models are all in gangs or doing drugs or your parents don't know the way it's really tough so what you what you do is you make it possible by them seeing that you're actually a human being like wow this person is like this has been their path to how they got here this is um you don't have to try to be a mentor just be a friend just 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 try to build a relationship and i'm telling you the kids are alive they'll ask you questions and um, um it, it'll change them because and it, it change it changes them because they 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 have goals now like you don't have goals goals keep you safe in chicago goals tell you what to do and what not to do um, if you if you're really clear about your goals, they'll pull you. They'll keep you safe and pull you through a pandemic, man. Like um, a lot of kids don't know how to set goals. So by them talking to you, and you, they say, "Oh, this is what your job is." Now they have a goal to go after, and they won't be as distracted when they can move forward towards towards those goals. So I, I would just say, like, um, if you, hey, I want to be a basketball player and a rapper, right? That's what I want. Those are the options for me, or a drug dealer. Like what? That's ridiculous. There's all types of things you could be. You know what I mean? So just showing them as possible, I think, is a big step. Well, this is why we wanted to do this with you because we have so many people in the business community saying, okay, I, I can give money and we're going to get to that in a minute. Um, but what else can I do? And sometimes it feels so overwhelming. And this is something that is just, you know, so easy to do to have a group of kids come into your company for just a few hours and show them what's possible. And so we have a few questions coming in about what this Explore program is looking like in a time of COVID. So are you doing them virtually? Are they on hold? You know, what's going on and what do you need from people? Yeah. yeah. So right now we have we had it going halt a long time ago, but um we have been doing we just did a virtual exploration to Indonesia and the kids loved um seeing Jakarta and uh what the money looked like like out there. But um it looks like school is gonna start back up this year, uh, with uh, with the mask and everything like that. But we have we bought all of our students' cell phones because and then we had to buy them hotspots too, because a lot of um a lot of our students are in transition between homes. So we wanted to make sure they had the internet. 
we've been giving them just YouTube videos of different businesses. Um, but we had a, we had a pivot recently um, because of COVID. There was like thousands of seniors that reached out to us that needed help getting groceries, that needed help, um, you know, with PPE as far as safety mask and disinfecting spray and um, and you know hand sanitizer and et cetera. And so our students, um, we gave them jobs. You know, we hired 75 youth to make wellness calls on seniors and check in on them. And so they, they call the seniors, um, they're paid $15 an hour for 10 hours of work a week. And they, um, they check in and they connect seniors to primary healthcare physicians. And they also do contact tracing and they um, also get groceries delivered. So they, this, has been, um, this has been our way of keeping the youth engaged throughout the summer. Well, and it's a big part of your mission of taking responsibility for your community, right? So you're giving people a chance to help in their own communities in COVID where it's needed most, which is really Sure, important. for sure. Like we, you know, we have our education side of things in my blah, my, my city. We also have our community engagement. You know, our philosophy is taking care of people no matter what. Um, if there's a snowstorm, you'll see us out shoveling snow for seniors. You'll see our youth with us. If there's a heat wave, you see us out delivering fans delivering water directly to seniors. Um, you see, we light up King Drive for the holidays uh, from 35th Street all the way to 115th Street. We try to inspire hope by putting up holiday lights instead of helicopter lights. Um, right now, with all the looting going on in our communities, you know, about 238 businesses reached out with a lot of damages. And so we started a small business relief fund on our website where we've been taking donations to, to help with these, uh, these mom and pop shops around Chicago. Um, you know, we, we've done well raising money and now we're looking forward to teaching some of our youth the trades of, of how to do light construction, graffiti removal, glass repair work, uh, painting, et cetera. So we, there's just so much opportunity right now to, uh, to rebuild uh, some of the communities alongside the youth. Mm -hmm. So I know you're sharing YouTube videos with the kids and doing some other things. Are you, I may have missed it, are you actually doing virtual exploration programs with companies? Do you see that yes, as part yes. of it? Okay. Yes, for sure. Like we, we use Google expeditions, the headsets. And so we can explore virtually like, you know, VA technology and we could, um, we can see a hospital. We can see more okay. than just underwater now. So there, there are opportunities for us to do virtually as well. So how has your organization evolved over the last six years? How does it look different than it did when you first started it six years ago? Um, I have a board of directors now, you know, I have a, a great team. Um, I've become a better leader by failing so much. It's like, like leadership is almost like riding a bike. You know, you, you, uh, you got to fall down publicly and then get back on that bike. So I think that um, I've, I've learned to, to trust my teammates. I've learned to, to um, depend on them, you know, and really uh, empower them. But just like I would talk to, you know, the, the students and the youth, like God's given me an ability to, you know, arouse enthusiasm, to transfer my, hoping to other people. So I just try to be there for my teammates as much as possible. We cannot be, I get a lot of credit because I'm the leader, you know, I'm the face of the organization, but listen, like my team is mighty. We are a mighty team of six. We don't even have an office space. We really just meet at different coffee shops every week, you know? Um, but we've also made some great hires. I mean, some really people that, you know, this is a path in youth engagement. Um, before I was just doing whatever I could to, to, to help out. I might have to pay a kid's light bill, maybe have to buy their, family a bed or so I do whatever it takes to build a relationship with that kid now we actually have people that are like have degrees and experience and youth engagement and so you know now we can study different things not just uh, um not just attendance in school or we can actually study if we're if my program is uh is boosting trust is it boosting reciprocity generosity confidence how are we building these things in kids 
and um, and I'm really excited about the, about those things. Well, it seems like you're doing a lot of responsive things, right? Just given everything yeah. that's happened in the last few months, um, just responding to what the community needs mm-hmm. in any way. That's that our, that's our, yep, that's our motto. That's our motto for sure is taking direct action and being responsive. Uh, we don't have like, if there was a meteor that hit Chicago, you know, God forbid tomorrow, you would see my black man hit my city on the street sweeping meteor dust. Like we, that's what we do is we take action right away. And I think um, that's what uh, that's what our brand is all about. I love it too. I love it. Yeah. So you said you have how many kids right now? Um, we have 150 students in our in our Explorers program. And how many? There's a, there's a there's a 30. We that's 10 schools. We have a 36 school waiting list just in Chicago. So like that, we have 36 schools that want our after school program. That that makes me feel good. But I want to expand with integrity because I know like you know all you know, it, having those relationships with schools means a lot. But you know. My goal is like, I want to get to as many as possible. By 2025, you know, I don't want to hear any kids say they've never been downtown Chicago. That's just like, again, that's just, I want to eliminate that from a kid. I've never been downtown. No, you won't be able to say that in 2025. So, you know, it costs about 25 grand per school. And we have 36 schools that are on our waiting list. We need help getting to those, those students. Cause, Come on, you never been to the lake? You never been on, oh, can't say that no more. It's 2025. We're going to eliminate that, that phrase from, um, from Chicago. So what do you need to be able to pull more of these schools into your program? Support. I mean, we need, we need people to host our students for explorations. And we also need people to uh, help us because it costs, again, 25000 per school. We only have the capacity to do 10 schools per year. You know, if people can sponsor a school, sponsor a student at a school. Um, maybe you know some friends that can pool together money to sponsor. I'll, I'll come speak at your business. We'll bring a student to come speak at your business. Um, we'll host you guys on our tour, but let's work together to figure it out because, you know, um, we'd like to expand and um, make some more hires and, and be able to um, show people that exposure is key. I mean, really, if you show a kid better, they'll do better. But if they don't know no better, it's going to be real tough. So you shared with me when we were talking last week. So there a couple things you could do. So you could sponsor a student, right? So how many explorations do they do each year? 10, each student okay. does 10 explorations a year. So you can sponsor a student for $2,500, right? So you could be yes, that student yes. sponsor, which puts them through these 10 explorations a year. A company could also come in and sponsor a school, right? For the 25,000 and yes. they could do all 10 explorations at that one company in different departments and divisions, right? It could be like the marketing yes. team one day and the accounting team one day and you know the IT team one day and kind of get a sense of all of this uh, or they can also just sponsor a school and have them go to all different companies but you're really flexible I mean you just need yeah. the money and the time from the business community and you will make it work you know whatever works for them yeah you, exactly there's so many different jobs uh, that it takes to make a business run you know you can go to a hotel and there's like experience marketing you know what I mean you can go to a hospital and there's like a cook or chef there. Uh, there there's just, there's so many, there's so many different things that kids can be exposed to. And I'm looking forward to giving our students exposure. So when you have um, 15 kids from a school or 10 kids? Yeah, 15. It's, it's from 12 to 15. Yep. Um, how do you choose them? How are they selected? Well, you know, we had a lot of research from University of Chicago and Northwestern that gave us a lot of insight on how to choose the students. But what I realized is that when I started going up to the schools, I just um, just start asking, how can I help? Because just because you have a 3.5 GPA doesn't mean you've traveled more than a person with a 1.7 GPA. You still probably never left Inglewood before. And um, 
we have a co-ed program as well. So we have a mixture of freshmen, sophomores, juniors, and seniors. And I really just show up and I just talk to the principal about who's disconnected, how can we get them connected, who you think would be a good fit for the program, and the principals and the assistant principals usually make those calls. And, um, they, and the kids, they stay in our program for four years, and we drive them to college. And, um, you know, it's a, they don't need $500 credit cards that I needed. We drop them off in school. And, um, yeah, that's, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, man, my dream is to uh, expand with integrity. I feel like there's a block in the hood everywhere. So I would love to see our program in the sister city in Detroit, you know, Milwaukee, St. Louis, you know, starting with those cities. Um, I would like to see it in Cape Town, you know what I mean, in, in Longa Township, um, Red Hook Projects in Brooklyn. Um, it's, it's just it's exploring is easy. I mean, it's transformative, really. So um, I feel like um, this should be incorporated into why wouldn't the business district want to play a role in, um, in, in, in building up the next future generation of leaders? So I just want to use this brand as a way to, um, to get kids those exposure opportunities. Because like me, I, only, I didn't get to travel growing up. There was no Disneyland. There was no vacations. You know, my parents broke up. It was the only time I ever took the Greyhound bus, you know. And, um, but that one time stepping outside of my comfort zone, allowed it gave me confidence to go to college because I knew I could step outside of Chicago and make things happen so I don't want kids have to wait until you know um, you know 20 years old to have ever been on an elevator that's ridiculous so do you have a timeline are you looking to maximize Chicago first before you expand to some of the nearby cities or are you looking to expand sooner rather than later um, you know this is the first time I've ever done anything like this I'm happy to learn from anybody that's done it I would, uh, my instincts tell me that um, honing in on things really well in Chicago prior to expanding would be better than just going, I mean, it'd it probably, it probably take a lot to expand to a different city, but um, I'm, I'm up for the challenge, but right now, there's a lot of work to do right here. And there's, there's, I'm telling you 36 schools, Those, and I'm just choosing schools based upon if they're option schools, meaning if they're, if they're the, the lowest performing schools. We're, like, we can work with traditional high schools, but I'm talking about kids that are really disconnected. Uh, there's 700 high schools. I mean, there's a lot of schools in Chicago, but 36 of the option schools we're trying to get to first. So when we get about 30, I'd be pretty, I'd be pretty happy. I'd, be, I'd learn a lot more about leadership and leading a team. And at that point, I feel like, um, you know, a couple of years from now, we'll be ready to, to work with a sister city. Well, you clearly love this city. Thank you so much, Jamal, for being here today. It's so important telling the business community how they can take action to promote equality, social justice, sustain real change, safe travels, and we'll all be in touch real soon. For sure. Thank you guys for the opportunity. Continue to help make Chicago a more interconnected city. And, you know, we look forward to working with y'all. Thank y'all for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, Margaret. That's all for today's episode of The Executives Exchange, sponsored by Shure Incorporated. Thanks for listening. If you have Chicago speakers you think we should cover, please send us an email at media at executivesclub.org. The Executives Exchange is a production of the Executives Club of Chicago. Audio equipment for the Executives Club podcast is provided by Shure. Whether you're making a point or making history, Shure lets you sound extraordinary. It's written by me, Margaret Mueller, produced by Eva Pinar. Research and support from the staff of the Executives Club of Chicago. We appreciate you subscribing and reviewing the show from wherever you listen. Feel free to follow the club on Twitter at Exec Club and on LinkedIn. If you have more questions or are interested about becoming a member at the Executives Club of Chicago, check us out on the web at executivesclub.org.